0: Thank mm-hmm. The free associates. That's right folks, the free associates. The freedom of association. The freedom to just like talk to anybody about anything that comes our way. Because you know why? It's useful. Yeah, it's useful. It's useful and in the times we live in, we want all the voices that we can get and we want to, you know, just like uh, come together but come together in a, like a safe way, like in a socially distanced way. So what better way to come together than radio, my friends? Radio was born for this moment. We're so grateful to WMUA Amherst for this platform. We're really glad to have it. I am sitting at the base of the neo-brutalist structure at the center of UMass campus. Yes, that Soviet structure. And I come up upon it every time and I think to myself, look at that neo-brutalist Soviet structure. There's so much concrete in that thing. And I also think, God, it doesn't look that bad. You know, the light hits it a certain way. It's really, I don't know, dare I say, dare I say it? Well, it's kind of beautiful. I guess everything gets beautiful after a while if it sticks around, folks. Now, you are listening to The Free Associates, and our website is thefreeassociates.us, and that's where you can get all of our readings, you can get all of our background stuff, and you can just connect with the dating app, which leads directly to the Whale Dog. We have coupons on there for Whalen's hot tub company that he's running at the basement of his rental, if you know the show. Now, we are in a quarantine special here. Yes, we are. We're in a quarantine special. Uh, We are in a COVID special or coronavirus special. And that's what we're going to be doing while we're doing it. And then we are living in this moment. We're going to live it with you. And also, we one of our guests is actually calling in remotely, so that's good modeling for social distance. Of course, Waylon can't model anything, particularly. Was late again, was mad at me, and was all upset about me about the reading. We're going to be doing the nuclear family today. Um, we're going to look at David Brooks' pretty, like, got a lot of attention article about three or four weeks ago about how the nuclear family was a disaster and stuff like that. And Waylon, was angrily texting me from the gym last night. Oh, this is a huge overload. System overload. System overload. So he's mad at me. He's punished me by being late. But he is in the studio. I gotta give it to him. Now Waylon, why don't you go ahead and get that drawing ready? We always free associate on the show. We free associate because we want to loosen our brain, you know? And some of us are better at this than other people. Like, I'm pretty good at it. Waylon's a cheat, cheat, cheat. Alright, get ready. So like uh, like I'm just feeling the music here. Um, this is such a tremendous track. Okay, and in three, two, one, show me the aura. The world is going around. We're in this giant moment, folks. It's atomic. It's atomic. It's exploding, but it's you know it's contained. It's contained too. Is it fusion? Is it fission? What is it? Nobody know, really knows what it is. But the clouds are out, my friends. The sun is shining. It's a beautiful day, and we're just gonna keep going with that. And boom. Because if I got 100 If I got 100 I wouldn't be free associating But you know That's pretty close So folks You know what it is It's Diodato time It's also Spock Zarathustra time It's Prague Rock And Talk Radio time So you enjoy that music For a minute And we'll be back coming back and Diodato is sliding down and I'm putting the whale dog up. I'm not even tricking him today because he is mad at me and I don't want him to get madder at me than he is. And I'm also bringing up Winslow Carroll on the phone. Winslow, how you doing?
1: Doing great. Nice oh. to be here with you two virtually.
0: Yeah, you're virtually here. But I mean, radio's always relied on this kind of uh, communication. Colin, I actually love the texture of the Colin, like the actual audio texture. You like that? Yeah, it gives texture. Right, so Winslow, just say something.
1: I'm just here and ready to free associate That's with you right. and be a non-expert.
0: And isn't that an exactly? Wow, she really does listen to the show. Yeah, no experts allowed. <laughs> Although I, I have to say, within the confines of the studio, we don't want any experts. But we're really hoping that there's some experts out in the world. You know, we're we're a little bit more open to it.
1: Yeah, we need to trust and rely that there are they are there and going to speak
0: up. And I think they are. And I think they are. Yeah. So that's the good news. Um, so, Waylon, you are all mad at me about this article, but I have to point out, first of all, a couple things. You were hungover yeah. yesterday, yeah, if I can course. say that. And also, you listened to this article on audiobook. Yep. Yeah, that's, you know, you can't, an article like this, you can't do well, that. Well, first
2: off, you you threw out into the trash all of your principles with this thing. He's like,
0: okay, you
2: mm-hmm. know, we're not going to bring up stats and we're going to this, that. Mm-hmm. It was an hour-long article, and every two sentences there was a percentage or there was a ratio or there was something that was in your face about, mm-hmm. well, 92% of this,
1: that. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, would have just... been impossible to listen to. No oh, way. Right. But I would have made no sense of it. It was easy yeah. to read.
0: But you were on the treadmill trying to work your hangover off <laughs> listening to <laughs> I this. I my 10,000
2: steps, and I was at, like, 1,000 at, like, 730 at night.
0: Well, don't blame me. Just as a quick a quick question, Winslow, uh, you know, thumbs up or thumbs down on this article. We're going to come back to it. Ooh, I'm looking for some support I, here. Don't get detailed. Don't I get detailed. like
1: David Brooks, but I'm going to have to give Ooh. this, like, my thumb is kind of Wow. mean slightly down.
0: Oof. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right, yeah, all, right. all right, we're going to... Oh, okay, well, I have to say my thumb is, is more towards the up on this one, but that's why we have these conversations, and I'm glad to have them. Now, let me just talk a little bit about the article. I'm going to lay it out. It's David Brooks, who is, you know, well-known from writing for The Times, tends to be a conservative, but he's a conservative that progressives and liberals want to listen to. Is, that's the reputation. He is writing that the nuclear family which is a creation, really, of industrialization, later stage industrialization, lack of agricultural jobs, people moving to the cities, rising up in the 20th century, hit a peak from 1950 to 65, where it was oh, like it was these nuclear families, but there was like a neighborhood uh, kinship network. People were playing on each other's porches and stuff like that. And then has since then has really gone into decline and has what, what has happened is that it's a really bad system unless you have money. This is the contention of Brooks. That is to say, you know, if you have money, you can buy extended family. You can you can buy your kin network because you can have your therapist and your babysitter and your nanny and all that stuff. But if you don't have money, you're really at the mercy of not having the extended kin network has been pulled out from under you and you're left with a uh, very little. So he's making the case that the individualism of the 70s, wealth inequality, And probably a couple other factors have left a number of nuclear families high and dry and that social conservatives bemoan it, but the structure for a nuclear family isn't there. And the progressives um, say, well, people should just live however they want to live, but are actually really tight about their own moral compass and nuclear families and stuff like that. So he's kind of, um, that's a broad, he's got a lot of uh, a fight in him about this. The other thing I'll just say before we move on, the one thing I do like about this article is, you know, I've accused the Atlantic magazine of having a gloom industrial complex, you know, <laughs> like every article is just so gloomy about everything that you're like, okay, well, this is definitely a, an industry of gloom here. But I do like at the end of the article that he branches out and says, you know, I think that there's there's changes that are happening, actually, and here's one, and here's one, and here's one. So I appreciated that. And he said, uh, one thing he said is a bunch of arrows pointing in one direction eventually change the way things are, you know? It it, it takes that. So at least he doesn't um, leave us uh, high and dry ourselves as readers. Is that a fair, uh, Winslow, is that a fair summary of the article? Yeah,
1: you know, oh, very fair summary. Um, yeah, the the I think what uh, Waylon was talking about at the beginning of, of there's so much statistics in here and mm-hmm. and it was really striking that he brooks can marshal so many statistics for the negative view but when he wants to talk about what are these points of light for the future he has to get very anecdotal uh, we really don't yeah. have any big trends where we can say but look at this and this percentage he's really then starts to get into the nitty-gritty of oh there's this one community in Oakland oh there's this one organization mm-hmm. that's connecting mothers in this way um, um, and it was just very striking the way the the big numbers really support the dissolution of the nuclear family, okay. and at a very tiny level there are these points of light.
0: I see, I see. Okay, yeah. Waylon.
2: Yeah, uh, <laughs> same thing. It's like how me- how met what outlier. Where on the outlier chart here is the the woman who was shot by a gang member and then takes all the gang members into her house? You know, like you go from
0: you go from this. Yeah, he was actually part of that group. Yeah, I know, which I was impressed by.
2: But um, I I thought the same thing. It just it started. I mean, I understand for kind of the narrative purposes of the article, you go back to anecdote anecdotes at the end, like. Let's bring the tables together at the very, you know, like he starts with the tables, the makeshift tables, blah, blah, blah. You, you know, you have to do that for your your kind of narrative purposes. So but is,
0: is you, you all's criticism of the article is that you want the gloom and you don't want any nice stuff at the end, Well is that when right? Or we that know. you reject the gloom as well?
1: Oh, well, you can go. I think, okay, I think for me, why my thumb is not up on this one is I'm pretty wary of arguments that say the way we did things in the past mm-hmm. was a better way, and the way we're doing things now is not so good, so let's go back to the way we did things in the past, sure. and it, it, I think he's trying to straddle that argument and say, oh, I'm not really saying let's go back to things in the past. We'll, let's evolve a new um, forged family or extended family model. But I think ultimately he's really looking for individuals to change um, their choices, and there's no room in here for how does public policy influence this and and how does society need to change to better... Um, meet the the needs of an increasingly individualistic uh, family unit. Right, right. And so that was sort of more my main critique is is the lack of um, looking at policy and and what what would need to change in how what's expected of the American worker um, and pay structures and things like universal health care and child care, things like that, that at the policy level could actually make the more individual, whether it's a single-family parent, a single-parent family, or a, a nuclear or more loosely arranged smaller family unit, those could actually be workable if we change some things at the policy level. Okay. And that would be more of a forward-looking way of changing to to meet the changing demands on the family.
0: Okay, so that makes sense to me. So he's kind of done a hit-and-run on the nuclear family and you feel like he's covering his exit by, by these nice stories, and that he hasn't gotten into any kind of structural suggestions. Is that a fair line? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah,
1: the, yeah I'm, I would be interested in structural, su- structural changes that right. could uh, say we can change the expectations on adult workers, for instance, so that a smaller and individualistic family unit is more, um, is more viable.
0: Yeah, you know, what it reminds me of is, I think it's the similar accusations that Bush one faced when he had his thousand points of light speech at the convention. Uh, you know, Waylon, you're a little young for that. I thought Reagan
2: was thousand points of light. No, it was
0: Bush. It was, was, it was Bush, it was yeah, Bush yeah. and it was- Actually, that's the- 88, uh, we I believe. Neil Young, we gotta- uh, Oh, right, oh, such a good world. song, Keep yeah. rocking in the Free World. Got a thousand points of life. <laughs> By the way, I don't know if I've said this on the show. Do not go to a Neil Young concert. It's just like punishing.
2: Well, I, you know what's funny. And This is just a side note. It's you, like you can't do. Three I, don't of if, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if he naturalized or whatever. But he like I was reading articles about like oh the, the you know Neil Young disapproves of Trump and everything. Neil Young's
0: a Canadian. Right. Okay. I'm Ooh. Like, what? <laughs> like I don't know why everybody's going to. Waylon's getting nationalistic. I
2: mean, here. I mean, I get Don't get it. me wrong. I love the guy. In his politics, and he and he's probably probably more poignant. You sure. know, like him and Bruce Springsteen are probably the most poignant. You well, know, yeah. Political generally, writers yeah, here, But Generally, you
0: know, he's a Canadian a little bit. I, little I, bit. I hear you. I hear you. Well, you hangs got, out in L.A. Well, you're an American flag guy. I, yeah. I get it. And that's sh- just me. Yeah. Yeah. So listen. Um, well, the thousand points of light thing was this idea of like you know, we'll all kind of come together and help each other. It's not government's role to do this. Sure. And so it does feel like Brooks is doing that at the end. Now that's, uh, you know, I'd like to assume best intentions. I have to say on a side note, I feel like this is a moment in time where we really need to assume best intentions for one another. Like, um, I just think that people are, are, you know, I we have, I'm not going to get into it, but like in our school system, there's a lot of anxiety and stuff like that. And I'm just concerned that people are getting very angry at one another, but I just think everyone's doing the best they can. But um I agreed. It, agreed. Yeah. I would, think that
2: that should be just the status quo always. Always. You know? But
0: always but always, I mean but in, especially, in points of you know, yeah. Especially now when you really need it and you you have to like really take a deep breath and be like, Well, I don't really agree with this but um I, I really doubt this person's trying to you know get me sick or anything like that. I don't think that's right. what's going on. Yeah. So I do want to be careful with the article too. I it, it would line up with Brooks's worldview though, I think, which is he is a conservative. I don't think he believes in government intervention. And so yeah. Winslow, your critique of him, I wonder if he was here, he might just say, Well, I'm sorry, I don't really I don't
1: Differently.
0: Yeah, I don't really believe in structural changes like that. He might not yeah. you know.
1: Well, here's the thing that I would say, if if I did get the chance to to have dinner with David Brooks and, and discuss this article, is he talks in, in his article about how um, the average um, Ghanaian family, the average Ghanaian person lives with uh, something like 13 people, and the average German person lives with 2.7 people. Mm-hmm. And he tracks how as societies industrialize and people become middle class, they, across the globe, um, they start living in smaller households. And I'm, I'm, that I found really affecting because I think to myself, who, it, 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 it feels like a particular American and particularly intellectual upper class um, conceit to say, well, I have obtained this status and I have this small family unit and it's not working, we should go back to the more traditional um, mm-hmm. way of doing things. Yet, when people are actually living in poverty and then find the economic, um, their economics change and they are no longer living in poverty or they're no longer living in an agrarian society... What do people choose? They continually choose at global levels, they continually choose to live in these smaller family units with more privacy, more freedom of choice. And so that's where I get at this frustration that um, Brooke seems to be suggesting to, to every individual choose those larger family units when... The trends tell us that's not what people want when they actually get the choice. Right. And so w- if people would prefer to have those smaller family units, then w- what can we do at a, at a again, public policy okay. level, you know? Yeah. Well, that's wait, that's wait, sort
0: of... Yeah. No, I get it. Waylon, what's your thoughts yeah, well, on that? <clears throat> I think like choice one of the most in...
2: interesting things that stuck out to me was that so, you you start having that shift into, it It talks about the, movie. what was the name of the movie that it was talking Avalon. about? Avalon. Avalon.
0: It's a, it's, you know, it's just for the listener. If, you know, by the way, listeners, dear listeners, thefreeassociates.us the free is our website, and the readings can always be found there. This is a long reading. You can even like, uh, you know what, I'll even put a reading about the reading there, which hey. I had to give Waylon because he was complaining so yeah, badly. Like the, like the, the, the spark notes, notes, yeah. The cliff notes for this reading. Um, He talks about Barry Levinson's Avalon, which is about this extended family in Baltimore that slowly dissolves into, like, nuclear units. Yeah, so go ahead. Yeah, and
2: so, essentially, once—a couple of things stuck out. In that 1950s to 1965 range, the—it's—it was talking about how the average male who was working at that time made approximately four times the amount of their father— Hmm. And so once they once they acquired a little bit of once they kind of went up in, in that economic you know once once they started making more money they started branching out and getting their own homes and things started distancing. The thing that was interesting it was kind of tucked in at the at the end of the article, but now there's a demand for more of what's called the you know um, what is it uh, the the mother father in law suite. You know what I'm saying? So like, mm-hmm. it's it's not just your house; it's now the garage with another, basically, smaller apartment attached to it. Where you kind of get this kind of best of both worlds: you have your privacy, but you also are caring and living in you know really close proximity to your your mother and father yeah. or whoever or your you're taking kids. care of. They so talks about kids coming. Yeah, back and, and I think that that's part of the kind of like the pendulum swinging back here is that. I think that immediate that that kind of shift in that night the 1950s to in 1965 that shift that was happening was you know you do want your privacy. I think that 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 you know people really value that privacy. Sure. And I think that we we may have taken it too far because the 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 traditional way can one because Because you can can. and two because the way in which we were creating housing and the things that and the options that were offered at the time Mm -hmm. were such that you know you have like levittville You know, like you have this little house and there wasn't like the the parameters were such where you didn't have these options. But now we have the ability to be a little bit more nimble in the creation of of houses and a little bit bit more say and things. Well, that's interesting.
0: It's almost like um, I wonder if you could like just listening to you. It's almost kind of like how junk food sweeps over people for a while. That is to say. And and then it kind of gets better Uh, You know the Arab countries are having terrible junk food problems, but we're kind of almost on the other side of that plague. I don't want to exaggerate, but like things have gone way better than when I was a kid. Food choices and what people drank and eat has gotten better. Not everybody. I just want to throw out something though that I feel like is really major in the article, and that perhaps you guys are not catching. Uh, No, you're catch. Excuse me, you're catching. But I just want to remind you guys that the big part of this whole argument. Is And we might have to save this for after the break, so I just want to lay it out and we can come back to it, but is that wealth inequality has risen so much since 1970. And so Brooks is, I think, kind of saying, like, listen, there was this unit, it was created, and then there was this, like, golden age of the American middle class, and then the rug got pulled out from under that, those little nuclear families, and it's, it's hell on wheels to be a nuclear family— when wealth inequality is this high. If you have resources, you can pull it off. If you don't, you're just marooned. So um, we are going to, like, in a minute, take a break, but I just want you guys to perhaps marinate on that because uh, that's—and I, you know, I think that, Winslow, I really understand what you're saying, which is— you know, people want freedom. They want individualism. And they, and you know, Brooks does say it's like, he does say like, you know, women weren't working in the 50s and 60s. They didn't have choice. There wasn't freedom in that. So he's, I think, also aware that, you know, you can't go back to the 50s. That's not the answer. You know, like, he's not totally unaware of that. But um, there is a kind of like, perhaps a little bit of a bait and switch here is like, be careful what you wish for. Because it's It might you might end up in a place you don't want to be, and it's hard to get back or to at least maintain certain things. So, folks, we're going to take a break, and we're going to be coming back in just a minute. This is such a great song. Does anyone know this song? Put that up. This song had a big impact on me. Nobody, Winslow, come on. Done nothing. Oh,
1: I have, I have zero. Music, movie, TV, oh, really? references. Uh, yeah. My library is very small.
0: Yeah, okay.
2: I got references over here, but he's got he's got 10 years on How
0: about the voice? That doesn't help you at all?
2: You got 10 more years of knowledge.
0: Well, that's why Waylon, you know, I do understand why you might not know this. But you, the voice, guys?
1: Come on. I'm so sorry to let oh, you down, Norm. Jeez,
0: everyone's let me down all over the
2: place. Norm's always, whenever, Norm always does this to me. He just pulls out this hipster mentality on me. Oh my god! You can't get this. I oh, know. I'm
0: sorry. I'm sorry. He well,
2: to this. You know, he probably played it on repeat on a record when he was, you know, yes, I did. Twenty years old. I did. Here.
0: Although there was no repeat on final. that wasn't a function you could do. I guess you could do it on a 45. Well, I'll tell you what it is. It's Donald Fagan of Steely Dan, but it's a solo song called the. The New Frontier. And it's a beautiful video where it's this young couple sneaking into a nuclear um, shelter and having a date down there. And so that's oh, why it shows it. But it's got that great, this would be Brooks's golden age of both the nuclear family and also nuclear anxiety. <laughs> All right. So let's not forget that we've always been anxious, folks. You're listening to the Free Associates. And I just want to remind you that we're in WMUA Amherst, the crown and the jewel of radio across the nation that the free is our website and that today we're talking about the nuclear family the what brooks would say was the the horrors of it so we'll be back in just a minute guys
1: You are listening to The Free Associates on WMUA Amherst. All readings, coupons, malware and hacks can be found on the thefreeassociates.us. If you are enjoying The Free Associates and want a show even more incoherent consider trying Barbarian in the Valley, which begins midnight Saturday and stretches into 1 a.m. Sunday morning. All information regarding Barbarian in the Valley can be found at barbarianinthevalley.com. Consider yourself warned.
0: Right, and we're back We are back Alright, good So What about this song, guys?
2: Well, Norm's, Norm looked over to me When he put it I on With wide up. eyes And I was like a I was like a dog Wagging my tail Because <laughs> I knew so it happy. Wait, I was before like, you
0: say it I made Mesta happy before, <laughs> I made Mesta <Mr>. happy <laughs> Before you say it Wenzel, do you know this song?
1: I oh, I do But It's um Uh Oh
0: gosh! Now, just for the listening I, audience, like Winslow grew up in a balloon? year. Oh, yeah! How many of them? Forty.
1: 40? Yeah. Oh.
0: <laughs> right? No. Why would anyone have forty red balloons?
1: What that doesn't it? make
0: any sense. Now, just so the listening audience knows, Winslow grew up in a cave in Vermont, and so they had no, oh. <laughs> they had no MTV. They had no coronavirus either. Well, they do now. Um, <laughs> sorry, folks. So, it is 99, Loft of Balloons. 99. Yeah, 99, and, you know, uh, it's, it's a song about what, guys? I have no I idea. It's about nuclear war. Really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, you, I, Waylon, you wouldn't get that, but it was like when it came out, it was about, yeah, it was about nuclear war. Yeah, yeah. It was interesting because the 80s had a lot of nuclear war songs, although it was winding down strangely and there was a German version of this and an English version and that was a whole trend back then too they would like have different language versions that would be both hits anyway I'm getting really wildly distracted now um, Winslow can you pay attention I'm about to oh. make Waylon free associate now he has all kinds of tricks like he'll have prepared speeches. He has, <laughs> he has a method to free association. Like he's, he has I'm a correspondence <laughs> course on how to properly free associate.
2: So Winslow keeps me up at night.
0: You can't see this because you're on the phone. So he's going to do the free association, um, but I want you to like really pay attention and see if you don't see what I see. Hey, if which, I
1: can. Pick th- apart his methods and yeah. really see through so, to the prepare- preparation he's done. Well, so
2: don't fall into this trap over here, okay? He started talking about war and atomic and stuff and fission and fusion, yeah. and I got, I got a, I'm g- I'll take a picture. Uh, we'll, put yeah, this, this, we'll put this, will put this, this on the site over this here. This is
0: radio. This is
2: so, propaganda. He's, he's, he's hmm. throwing all the propaganda at you right now. Then right, he's going to sandwich it that? later too with the critique.
0: You know this what? Is, this I, is I, it. I th- Listen, Waylon, I think we can credibly say that Winslow's on your side because I'm the overlord host and you guys are guests. So don't
1: assume... This is true. We do have to to team up here. Assume best intentions,
0: Waylon. Assume best intentions. (laughs) Just ten minutes ago you were talking about this. Oh, my God, the ultimate flip. All right. All right. So in three, two, one, pre-associate, Waylon. There's
2: a shattered compass tracing around on a road trip. You don't know where you are. You're stuck somewhere in the Midwest, but there's nothing to guide you. The signs are all blanked out, and you've been driving at about a cool 55 miles an hour. You haven't seen any source of life, I'm and every gas station is, is rusted out. It's like five you words. You pause, five and inside <laughs> of the gas station oh is God. Norm Cody.
0: I'm just going to put that down right His now. His
2: tattered tweed <laughs> shirt is looking at you angrily saying it's over like and over in subject repaid adverb you got some formula you got some
1: formula all right, and all right, all right.
0: i'm gonna have to mute you in a second um winslow <laughs> what do you think about that free association
1: you well know, it was a a, a narrative had mm- a narrative arc too strong, negative. Too strong, to be free association.
0: That's yes, that's right. That's Sorry, I'm right. on the
1: bus,
0: Well, you're just being honest. You're just being. I'm honest. I'm about to boycott this thing. I'm about to boycott <laughs> yeah. this thing. You go ahead and.
1: I could not have done way. better myself. Let me be clear. <laughs> Mine would have been the story of what I ate for breakfast and the most unfree association. I don't know the last time I free associated. About yeah. anything. Well, we might way we too might, buttoned we, up for that.
0: We might put you on the hot seat at some point soon. But um, you know, be, I, you have to kind of like let go of control, Whalen. That's the problem with you, is that you like to control everything. Control freak.
2: Oh, he's let me free associate after <laughs> ten bush lights, okay?
0: <laughs> all right, all right. No, no, no. We really appreciate you. All right, now before uh, uh, excuse me, right before the break, I asked you guys to marinate on this idea that Brooks is saying. He's, uh, I think, saying, like, uh, there's like a a chicken switch here or or a a bait and switch. It's not intentional, but there's a bait and switch that's gone on with the nuclear family. It was fine, and it did give freedom, and that was good, but it it hit a certain moment where we still had kind of front porches instead of back porches, and people were going to church, and people were in unions, and all that's gone now. And, you know, if you can make it work, then it's you still have the freedoms. But all of these and I have to say teaching in the school system, I see this like I see a lot of broken up families that it's really hard. If you're like got divorced parents, it's hard. It's hard. And if you don't have money, it's it's hard. So yeah. what do you guys think about that? I'm, I'm pl- pretending to be Brooks and be like, listen, what about the wealth inequality here?
1: Oh, let's talk about it. All I'm, right. I'm delighted you brought this up. Okay, but again, I'm, you're going to stand in for Brooks here, and my my um, response is, at the working class, middle class level, Americans in the 50s, 60s, 70s did not choose to change policy in America so that income disparity could grow so much. Mm-hmm. So why are we putting the choice? to fix the problem back on the individual, that this is a problem that I agree completely has been blown out of proportion by income inequality. And so then to have the response be, well, let's all make different choices in the face of this income inequality. No, I think that exactly points to income inequality is this pernicious problem that just in, in... Uh, what am I trying to say, Uh, permeate so many facets of life, and if we can go to that source and um, make some intentional changes there uh, that get us back to a place where income inequality isn't the behemoth that it is right now, causing so many changes in American life, then suddenly the nuclear family becomes more possible if that's what people choose, or... More to Brooks's point, the the more individualistic, the smaller families where it's a grandmother raising some kids or a single parent thing, or kids shifting between um, biological parents' homes who are not together. That becomes much more doable, right? Yeah. If uh, if th- we have addressed income inequality.
0: Okay. So, okay. Now, so this is to me like this is the this is often the root cause of. My feeling about wealth inequality, and uh, this is maybe perhaps like, I don't know, I'll just say it, which is that like no one, I don't, I feel like it's hard to undo because I don't feel like anyone did do it. I know that's wrong in a way. I do think people have pushed for deregulation and all kinds of stuff. So I I do know that. But I guess I wonder, I look at that kind of income inequality it's almost like an inevitability of a rising empire for some reason. Hmm. Do you know, like, it's, it, well, if you, look at, if you look at past empires, they have the tendency to do that. Um, so it's so hard to undo that. Will? I hear that. Uh,
2: I, I did, the idea that no one has done it, it's, uh, I think, maybe apathy in policy. I think maybe, uh, ignorance and I'm not saying like willful ignorance, but ignorance of the general population as to watching those trends unfold. I think there's a lot of things, but I don't think it's some sort of, no one's caused it. It's inevitable. I mean, there's, there's things like you can look at CEO pay and and look at the history of it and look at Clinton and the deregulation that happened during that and linking CEO pay to share to stock shares and uh, this, that, the other thing. There's certain things along the line that are milestones for all this, and you no could doubt. clump all this complexities together. But I, I don't like the idea of like this is this just happens from it. I think that, like I said, ap- apathy and ignorance on just f- from just okay. the normal population side mm-hmm. translated into not right. Okay,
0: so I'd like to like to pick that up for a second, yeah. uh, and before I do and you might agree with this, one of the most depressing things about my students, and I love my students, I just think the world of them, is how they not only tolerate wealth inequality, but embrace it. Um, there is a real, like, they it's all... A, oh, you, is there an exa- like example? What that just, like? yeah. They all want to be Elon Musk and are convinced that they will be. Or, oh. you know, or someone else. Um, they, they, have, they have bought, and I did too at that age, that narrative that those people deserve everything they get and I'm going to be one of those people, you know, and for different classes, it's just scratch-off tickets. You know, art school is like an upper-middle-class scratch ticket, lottery ticket, you know, in a way. And I just see, like, some of my best and brightest, but really, uh, like, right down the line, they all accept wealth inequality as is exhibited by celebrities and often see themselves as becoming that person. That's why they're willing to accept it. Um, are you guys not? You're both teachers. Do you not experience that at all?
1: I mean, um, my my students are six years old, so yeah. it's um, <laughs> they're all they all dream of being police officers, or at least yeah. the boys do.
0: Well, let me just rephrase it. We all we all seem to be worshiping extremely rich, famous people who probably don't deserve what they might deserve more, but not to the proportions of five hundred to one or whatever <laughs> it is.
2: I agree with you actually uh, on this, but I I think that what's happening is that the the kind of the mindset in which students are finding themselves in, or and the kind of general population is that there's a lot of ambiguity between the success of an individual in like a market sense and a kind of cultural titan. So we have this idea of so for instance influencers. Like, where is the line between that being the business model and somebody's like a actually freelance employee of this, that, the other thing, and just to give you an idea, free um, an influencer, is somebody on Instagram or uh, Twitter, or this, that, the other thing that will rep your product for money. So all of a sudden, yeah. it's like, oh my god, I got this new thing, but you're looking at them because you're you're following them because of the. Kind of cultural stuff that they're producing on social media and this that the other thing and then they pepper that stuff in so I think in the same thing as Bezos or or Elon Musk you start you'll read an article or see this that the other thing about something culturally that they've done I think it was Elon Musk that like a raccoon got in his backyard and got into a fight with uh, with his dog and he picked the raccoon up by the by, by the back legs and threw him down the stairs and like saved his dog like that's what students would see on social media if this makes sense it's like more it's kind of uh uh, this really kind of mixture of cultural icons and there's a removal a little bit of that idea of what is going on truly with their kind Mm -hmm. of with their manipulations you're talking about humanizing
0: and making them cuddly and something that we can all embrace. And I don't yeah. think these people are, are, like, bad or evil. I just no, don't, I don't really believe in bad or evil people. So, like, I don't see them as the enemy. I just see them as also, like, on the waters that everyone else is. Like, the whole thing is so vast that, like, you're sitting on top, you're sitting on bottom. It just kind of feels a little random at times. Winslow, what do you think um, about, like, and I do want to come back to an, another thought, but... um that we really embrace wealth inequality. Like, the whole celebrity culture is set up to to really promote wealth inequality.
1: Yeah, I mean, I do think that that does seem consistent with this longer thread in American cultural life, which is that money stands in as a proxy for goodness. And when, mm-hmm. y- when I heard you say, all my students want to be Elon Musk, and I thought, oh, I feel, I feel so sad that that is their your students vision of what the good life is. Yeah. Because that's what students are looking for at that age is they are looking for models of the good life and um and and I agree completely there's no Elon Musk and and people like him are not good bad or otherwise it's more just the the deficit of um variety and and meaning with um finding Elon Musk and his ilk as the the epitome of the good life. Um, yeah. Waylon?
2: I would also be careful characterless. Um, I would also be careful on what we what we're reading into this as well. I don't think that the necessarily when uh, when we're talking about students like wanting to attain that. Yeah. I think that it's more of a kind of symbolic attainment of the, of all of this and they're not necessarily thinking about all these things that we're dissecting here.
0: Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, I
2: think best intentions is what we started off with.
0: The best intentions here is that they
2: want to be success. They want to be super successful. They want to be in control of some sort of kind of some sort of economic force. And they want to be able to make their decisions in in a truly impactful
0: way. I listen. You know, I, I really appreciate. Agreed. Well said. I, well said. Let's not throw on the best intention thing again. But <laughs> I, I, I really, I really agree. And I had actually wanted to step in and say, listen. I actually, I don't. I think they'll say that. But I think that they have all kinds of different models for how they're going to live. And you know, I was that way when I was that age. And I, now I'm a, a high school history teacher. I'm so happy. I missed my chance to be what I thought I wanted to be. So it's a process. I guess yeah. my my, my, other, my point was that I do think that we we accept and embrace wealth inequality um, in this country for the most part. Like there's a whole system, unconscious system set, us, set up. Waylon, I wanted to just say, um, here's, a, here's a model for what I was talking about, about empires and wealth inequality. And Winslow, I'm curious what you think of this. When a country or an empire gets wealthy enough that they can kind of bread and circus and subdue like the lower and middle classes, what happens is is that once you've subdued them, once you've given them a car and Netflix and enough food to eat, then you can go off to the races because they're not going to revolt. Like, if you're in a much more sketchy situation where, like, you actually have to deal with possible revolt, that keeps uh, inequality down. Um, like, tribes have that, right? There's no real wealth inequality in nomadic tribes or even in settled tribes. There's just not enough people to do that. To have that, so I wonder if that's what I was saying. Is and so, in that case, it's like the nuclear family that's been like marooned by the situation, whereas like some people have just taken off and had jet fuel. Does that make sense? Is that a possible? Yeah.
1: Well, oh. it's an interesting explanation, and when you look back at the burgeoning of the middle class in the 40s and 50s right and that that was the time where ev- a car for everybody and the equivalent of Netflix for everybody and and so then the starting in the 70s is 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 that the implication of what you're saying that this has happened in yeah. in America
0: Yeah i mean if you actually look at America post second world war until mid 70s it's in a it's in a fairly contained world. It's not a globalist world. Half the world is Soviet and half the world is free market. The American empire is big, but it's not the what it becomes in the 90s and forward. You know, and so like in the 90s this huge basically the whole world opens up for the expansion of the American empire. America becomes all powerful by 2000 And that includes being able to requisition goods from all over the world to placate your lower and middle classes. And then wealth inequality starts taking off because you pretty much got that covered. But the problem is, is that they may not revolt because they have Netflix and food, but their system of relating has been eviscerated.
2: I agree. I also think that, and this is a little bit more nefarious, but uh, that we're seeing people we're seeing that that um, the disparity grow, but also we've been we've been softening that disparity on the bottom with more and more debt, and who yeah. and who gains from that debt? But the, the, but the rich, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you know we're not raising the minimum wage. We're not we're not getting uh, more. We're not spurring that economy for the, the lower classes. What we're doing is we're saying, make do with what you have. And if you need more, take out a loan. Yeah. Do this, do that. So there's actually, it's actually kind of okay. exasperating so, the problem. So
0: I'm getting excited and I appreciate what you just said. Um, here's my pitch. My pitch is, is that all the institutions that might have allowed for change and revolt were melted away over the course of a couple of decades and now like everything's getting chewed up unions church committees and communities and stuff like that and so there's no apparatus for change from the bottom up that's structural yeah yeah and then then who else is going to go and change it well, n- on not top of that, powerful wealthy people we they have to go and change it unless they're really scared.
2: We have we have some movements that really target this but really don't understand like not only <clears throat> have these been dissolved, but the blueprints and guidelines for operating and establishing new ones have have gone away too. Yeah. Like the occupy movement. I was going to to occupy movement um Kind of when they were in Boston and everything, this, that, the other thing. I got to see the internal mechanisms at work, and no one knew how to kind of how to organize or create hierarchical structures. In fact, they were opposed to hierarchical structures of of creating these things. And so, I watched that entire movement go, you know, um, come together and kind of unravel before my eyes, and. I think that, unread, like, so not only do we not have those established kind of institutions that, can, that could lead this, but we forgot how to create those in the first place.
0: Yes. Yes. That's the bait and switch I'm talking about. And that's where, you know, Winslow, you brought up this, like, you want to see structural suggestions, but, like, that's the problem. It, the word maroon keeps coming to my mind that the, a lot of these nuclear families have been marooned in a landscape in which, like, the waters receded and they, hey, they could, the boat wouldn't go anywhere. And that, in a larger sense, like, the um, forces of change have been marooned. Now, that can change because people are really fast to adapt. And if people are, are upset enough, then, then they figure it out quite quickly. So that's the that's the good news. And uh, obviously we're living in a moment of p- potential change here. Um, but, Winslow, can I ask you— um, What's your feeling about you you have a nuclear family. You you don't have mm. you don't have um family extended family in the valley, do you? Like the no, near, we don't. near valley. Did did you resonate at all with what Brooks was talking about in terms of like the pressure put on the nuclear family?
1: Well, it resonated in the sense that if if you have if you're affluent, you can make it work and it's quite lovely. Um and that well, that um, is exactly Maybe, maybe. Okay. Uh, I'm
0: going to challenge that a little bit, but okay, okay. keep going.
1: Well my experience the way I read his the article is you know he's saying um that the it's led to um, a familial system that liberates the rich and ravages the working class and poor he says and I, I sort of underlined yeah. that that's his thesis and yep. and um and and I feel like that absolutely represents my experience is that our family has the financial ability to Uh, pay for the after-school care so that both parents can work, and we have family that comes occasionally to help take care of um, the kids. We have a close-neighbor relationship where we do child care exchanges. But ultimately, we look pretty independent, and we look pretty much like a family of five who use their affluence to pay for the related services yeah. that are replacing the larger extended family of an affluent family from 100 years ago, let's say. Um, and and the, the students that I work with are not affluent, and I see every day how impossible it is for a poor family to make it work as, um, you know, just this, this moment is exactly what I'm talking about, my paycheck continues even though i'm not going to work my students family's paychecks do not continue as uh, basically um in all cases and so right there you get at the the fundamental difference in how this is quite easy to make work in in my particular case and it is going to be so damaging to families and their stability um for not having that paycheck and yet still having a small number of adults to care for the children.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, I totally appreciate that. I just want to add to that, that like, you know, uh, my family is in a similar situation where where we have enough affluence to like create this extended family. And we really do like uh, our babysitter, Lynn is, she's like a member of the family and that's a beautiful thing, but I would argue, and I know some quite wealthy people who are really able to do that, Um, but I would argue that it still feels lacking to me. That is, I do appreciate the freedom I have, and it's not like we're running to live right next to our brothers and sisters in Vermont or Maine and Massachusetts. I do get that that can be claustrophobic, but I also wonder a little bit, like, I'm not totally sure this is, like, the best world either, and that's with money, and that's with affluence. It's obviously not as, like, bone-crushing as if you don't have it, but, like, um, I guess I'm yearning for more, like, actual tribalism than exists. Mm. You know, and I think there's some very wealthy families. You know, we've got to be careful who we think is living a good life because uh, there are very wealthy families out there who are ne- not necessarily happy. Let's just put it. Money does not buy happiness. Of course. I really, that's the other American fallacy is that money buys happiness. It's just not <laughs> true. It's just not true. Now, folks... Usually, when this music comes on on the Free Associates, we're talking about what we're going to do, like in the day or the weekend. But I thought that, like during this time of transition, that perhaps our guests can chime in on one thing that they've either noticed, or, or one thing that their behaviors change, or one thing that they're going without, and really quickly because we don't have a lot of time. Reflect on that, Waylon. What's one thing that you're like doing differently right now? Um, one thing
2: that I'm doing differently is. Um, I'm people watching a lot more I'm a pe- people watcher But I think it's fascinating <laughs> Like going into It just sounds
0: so creepy coming from you, you know, but like, okay.
2: I want to go into all the stores And look at the sh- the empty shelves And see what people are buying you know, okay. like, okay. why did they take all the chicken noodle soup, but leave the chili with beans? Um, you know what I'm right? saying? Like, there's an obvious answer. There's, I want to really, di- I start, I'm, I'm dissecting society yes. a little I, bit I more. I really appreciate and that's, that. And that's, that's what I'm Yeah, doing.
0: well, that's the thing. We're running a program. For instance, corned beef. There was every single meat in
2: Aldi was gone. Oh, corned yeah. beef, which was on sale, still there. <laughs> there's, there's some, there's some global Probably conspiracy it against corned beef. People, be people
0: people saw I was on sale and it's also corned beef, coronavirus, it's a little close, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You
1: know?
0: uh, Winslow, what about you? Like a behavior change or something you noticed? Oh, the
1: the thing that I'm getting used to is the, the lack of seeing people. Uh, we try really hard in our house to have people over a lot and have yeah. a diversity of viewpoints and, and have interesting people coming to, through our home and to just cut that off. and stop the face-to-face interaction feels like the big um the big shift in thinking right now
0: yeah well you know what it won't be forever and meanwhile you have the radio show and to and the about.
1: radio
0: saving you radio always saves you in the end now folks i would have to say i turned off all my updates on my like washington post and new york times apps and i, I recommend everyone do that like you don't need those updates every five minutes you just don't you just don't check the news once or twice once in the morning once in the evening they, trust me, if it's big enough, you'll hear about it. Meanwhile, try to not be too anxious. You know, try to accept that what's going to happen is going to happen. Because you know what? What's going to happen always happens anyway. We appreciate you listening to The Free Associates. Our website's thefreeassociates.us. You're on WMUA Amherst. And we want to make sure that you have a good time all the time, as they say in Spinal Tap. Bye-bye.